Uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 9, as that's where we're, we're going to be uh, this morning. Now, uh, years ago, I was in Boy Scouts, and one of the things we would do several times each year is we would go uh, camping, and several of these camping trips uh, would be off-the-grid camping, which, which is like no electricity, no running water. The only thing that you have is the stuff that you take with you. And so at night, we're in the middle of the woods, and it would get pretty dark when we were out there, and so you needed lanterns, flashlights, all of those things. But uh, I remember one, one time we were camping, and one of the guys in my tent, it was the middle of the night, like 1 or 2 a.m., he had to use the washroom, and so he got out of the tent, uh, but he did not take a flashlight with him for some reason, and so he's trying to go to the washroom, make his way to the latrine, and he's got to work his way through the camp uh, to get there past all of the other tents, and he, he gets halfway there successfully, but then he gets too close to one of the tents, and he trips over one of the guidelines or the support supporting lines for uh, one of the tents, and he trips. And you go, oh, no, he tripped in the woods. That's not good in the night. Like, you get seriously hurt. Now, thankfully, he wasn't hurt because when he tripped, he fell onto uh, the tents that some of the other guys were in, and he collapsed it, and he woke every one of them up, and in the commotion, woke up every other person in the camp. Now, if you've ever had to set up a tent in the day, you know that can be a challenge, um, but try setting it up in the middle of the night when everybody's exhausted. There's no light and they want to murder you because they, you were woken up by that person. But if you've ever been um, in, in kind of the forest at night when there's no street lights or city lights, or even you just lost power for a few hours and, and dark comes on, you realize, man, it, like it can be really, really dark. You can't see even like your, your hand in front of your face at times. And you learn that that darkness can be disorienting. Like that what was clear to see in the day isn't clear to see. That darkness can be deceiving. That shadows can play tricks on your minds. Darkness can be dangerous. That, that like you can't see what you're, where you're going. You don't see what lies in your path. And that dangers can lurk in the darkness. But also darkness can be deadly. That you can get lost in the darkness. Then that you won't find your way back all, every time. And so this is some of the reasons why the Bible uses this word darkness as a metaphor to describe what life is like apart from God. That when we refuse to follow God's will for us, when we choose to follow our own will and our own ways, the scripture would say it leads to darkness. In that sin brings darkness in that we get disoriented. We, we can be easily deceived. We can be prone to fall into danger and it can be deadly. And so in, in our Christmas series, what we've been doing is we've kind of been examining this idea of darkness and light. And as in Isaiah chapter 9, it, it talks about darkness. And, and Isaiah 9 is this prophecy to the people of Israel in the northern kingdom in a time of darkness for them, that they don't have good rulers, but also there's the Assyrian empire camped on their doorstep, ready to invade at any time. So they're, they're living in this time of darkness. And so Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse uh, two, Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And then we'll skip down to verse five. It says, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
And so Isaiah's telling the people that in the midst of your darkness, somebody is coming to fight for you. And so that's, that's kind of what Isaiah chapter 9, 5 is hinting at when it says the boots for battle. Those uniforms bloodied um, by, by war, well, they're not going to be necessary anymore because God's sending this divine warrior who's going to fight that battle against darkness, and he's going to win that battle decisively. And so there's the hope of a future leader who's going to bring justice, peace, and divine wisdom. And so last week, we kind of looked at Isaiah 9-6, and we saw that um, the, the, the light is a child born for us. But Isaiah also says the light is a son given to us. And so what we see from that verse is the light is a gift. Like 2,700 years after Isaiah's prophecy, we know that he's prophesying about Jesus, that Jesus was already God the Father's son when he was born into the world and he was given to deliver the world from darkness. And so John in the New Testament, he, he's, he's kind of saying the same idea, but he puts it this way in John chapter three, uh, verse 16 and following. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So what John is saying here is this, that the light, salvation, it's a gift and it comes from God through his son. And I love verse 17. That's like probably one of my favorite verses in all of scripture because it says that, that Jesus was not sent to condemn us, which is often kind of the idea we have that, that God's all about judgment, but that he was sent to save us, to spare us from the darkness, to save us from sin. And so verse 17, it shows us the posture of God's heart towards us. It's this, this posture of love. But then you kind of get down to verse 19 and it's like, okay, and do you want to know the posture of the human heart? Well, here it is. It says that we, many of us would prefer to hide our evil deeds in darkness rather than to deal with our sin. So like, what, what, is, what is John saying here? Well, it's kind of like this. If you're a parent, you know that sometimes your kids have this candy stash and maybe your kid's asleep. And you kind of get like a little snacky, you get hungry, and you're going, I want something sweet. And so you go find the stash, and you look, and like, oh, they got some good things in here. Um, and and you, you take one, and you're like, ah, oh, one's not enough. And you take a, no, nah, two's not enough. And you keep going. And then you eat it, and then what are you left with? You're left with this pile of wrappers. And you got to deal with it. And so you're like, I can't just take this pile of wrappers and put it on top of the garbage bin. Um, because like my kid will see this and be like, did you eat my candy? And so what you do instead is you take those wrappers. And this is a pro tip if you haven't learned this yet. But you, you shove it down the side of the garbage bin or you get the, the frozen vegetable wrapper. And you, you cover up those things because you don't want your shame to be exposed. That they'll call you out for all the candy that you've eaten. And so this is kind of what John's saying is that like we don't want our sin to be exposed our shameful deeds and what we often do with sin is we we treat it as something that is is mild we go you know what a certain amount of sins in my life that's that's tolerable it's permission permissible we we justify it we excuse it we downplay it 
Like we might not say it audibly, but we'll think things like this, like a white lie. It's, it's really not that bad. Like actually it could be good because I'm sparing this person's feelings or I've heard this one, like I might come off as a, a jerk, but I'm just a truth teller. I just, I say it how it is. It, it doesn't matter if I'm hurting people's feelings. Or maybe we compare ourselves to others who we believe are, are worse sinners than ourselves. So we, we kind of feel better. It's like, oh yeah, I might be a little gluttonous at times, but at least I don't get drunk like that person does all the time. Or it could be like, yeah, I might have some thoughts about that person. Imagine what life would be like with them. But at least I've never cheated on my spouse. And we, we again, we downplay it. We, we excuse it. We say it's not that big a deal. But, but listen to how Isaiah describes sin in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 to 6. It says, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried out or carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. And notice that, that Isaiah is describing sin as, as, as a disease. Now, a disease is this um, abnormality in our bodies, that a disease is not supposed to be there. And God is, is making a pretty clear statement here. He's like, sin in your life, that should be an abnormality. It should not be treated as something that's okay being there. It's permissible. It's just, just a little bit. You can live with it. Like, that's not how God approaches it. He, it's like this cancerous growth that he's saying should not be within your soul. Because sin, it dehumanizes a person. It deforms a person from, from the image that God intends them to look like, from what he intended them to be. And in Romans 6, we're going to look at this verse in a little bit, but it says this, basically, that sin, if left untreated, is deadly. And it's, when, when we say deadly, it's not just saying like kind of... Um, physically deadly and, and temporary deadly. It's not just that my physical body dies once and then I'm put in the grave and like death is, is done with. Like scripture, if you read it, it's kind of saying, no, there's death beyond death. Like it's not just like this one-time thing. It's like that there's, there's um, spiritual death. And this is an ongoing eternal thing where you're, you're separated from God the, the, the author of life, the giver of all good things. And so it's this ongoing death. And so this is what scripture refers to as hell. Now, um, when I wrote this message, um, like I, I kind of said, like back when our kids were in daycare and kindergarten, they would bring home like the disease of the week. And it just felt like a new one was rolling into the home all the time. And we were trying to avoid it. Um, this, this morning, my kid wakes up with some sort of uh, virus, like respiratory disease. And so it's like, hey, Seth, you're watching from home. Um, but like, it's, it's one of these things when, when we get a disease, there are side effects, and you don't like the side effects. You try and deal with them. You want, you want to get rid of the disease. And sin, like a disease, has side effects in our lives. And, and humanity, we don't enjoy those side effects. Like all the suffering, the pain, and trouble that we see in the world is, is side effects of, of, of sin. And we try and deal with it. We, we try and kind of maybe come up with like Band-Aid solutions. Maybe we've tried to find a cure. But so far, humanity has not been successful in this. But in Isaiah chapter 53, God goes, here's the prescription 
Here's the cure for the deadly disease. The coming servant will be obedient and faithful always, even at the cost of his own life. And so these words, pierced, crushed, punished, wounded, they tell us what what God did to his own son, that it was for our sins, that this was a sacrificial act in which Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. And his death brought about reconciliation between humanity and God. And so Isaiah's going, healing comes through Christ's wounds and the sufferings of Jesus. Through those sufferings, our sin is pardoned and we are delivered from the power of darkness. But again, it's, this, this is a gift that has to be received. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so uh, this is something I've said several times kind of throughout the fall in different messages, but it's like you cannot achieve your salvation. It has to be received as a gift. And it can only be ours if we're willing to receive it as that gift of grace. And so again, going back to Isaiah 9.5, the, the imagery of the, the boots of war and the, the bloodied uniforms being burned, it's kind of saying like this great victory of over evil, it's not going to be accomplished in your strength. You're not going to achieve it. And so those weapons, the uniforms, they can be burned because somebody else is going to do the fighting for us. And salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, all given as gifts to those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, in, in about a week's time, or a, depending on when you open your gifts, if it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, we're going to open gifts. Like that's a big part of, of giving or of Christmas, giving and receiving of gifts. And, and what somebody gives you as a gift, it tells you kind of what they perceive about you or what they think that you need. And so some of us, we're going to open up our stockings and there's going to be packs of um, socks and, and underwear. And that's going to be your wife's way of telling you, you're like, you know, about those, those boxers that are hanging on by a thread, you got to get rid of those. Or I'm tired of seeing your toes all the time through your socks. Wear these ones. If, if you open up your stocking and it's like mouthwash, breath mints, gum, it might be a little bit of hint. You got a breath problem. And they're saying like, Let, let's, let's get this situation under control. Now, some gifts, they're harder to receive than others. And Tim Keller, he writes this. Imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. Then you take off another ribbon and wrapper, and you find it is another book from another friend overcoming selfishness. If you say to them, thank you so much, you are in a sense admitting, for indeed I am fat and obnoxious. In other words, some gifts are hard to receive. Because to do so is to admit you have flaws and weaknesses and you need help. Like maybe you've been in a situation where you had to get help from a family member or a friend financially because you were just in need. And you know that in order to receive that gift, it required that you swallowed your pride. It was a hard gift to receive. And the gift of salvation is this gift that basically says you need to swallow your pride Like Christmas, the sun given to us means that we're so lost in darkness, so incapable of saving ourselves that the the only thing that, that could meet that need was the death of the son of God himself. And so to accept the gift that Christmas is, you need to admit that you're sick with sin. You need to admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that you need a savior. You need to admit that you need grace. You need to give up control over your life. You need to swallow your pride in order to accept this gift. 
it can be a hard gift to receive. But in John chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us why God gives us this gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so the motive behind the gift is this one of love. And Christmas should be this time where we are reminded how much God loves us. Like one of the first times that um, my wife, Shan, and I left our son, Seth, uh, behind, and we went and did like a little bit of a getaway. Seth was, I think... um, a little over a year old or, or something, but we were going to a music festival in uh, New Brunswick. And so we were leaving him with her parents. But I, I just remember like when we were dropping Seth off, uh, Shannon was like kind of struggling like, to like hand Seth over, leave him behind for a few nights because like, this is my son, my only son. And it's like, he's going to be fine. He's with your parents. Let's go. We got to get to this thing. Now it's much easier now that he's 12. It's like, we'll see you later, Seth. We're, we're going to go have some good times. Um, but like, like, maybe you've been in a situation, like if you're, if you're a parent, where you were saying goodbye to your, your, your child as they moved off to university for a season. And you were like, ah, it's not goodbye forever, but you were going like, ah, this is a milestone. It's kind of difficult. Or, or maybe you're in that, that empty nest phase where it was like your last child moves out of the house and it's, it's for good and you're hopefully, um, and, and you're like, you're struggling with that one to, to say goodbye. And those, those goodbyes, those, those separations can be difficult because we love our kids. And I bring this up because sometimes I think when we think about God sending his son, we read John chapter three, verse 16, we think of God as this detached, emotionless, unfeeling deity where giving his son was this super easy thing to do. But like, consider this, like in Genesis, when we go back to our origin story, we're told we are created in the image of God, not just physically created. It's talking about something deeper, your soul, your very self. And those, those separations cause us pain. And so when we consider God the Father giving up his son, we should not think of it as something that was easy for him to do. That giving his son as a sacrifice for human sin, I believe that pained the father's heart. And so don't ignorantly look at the son given as this like easily given gift. I, I, I knew a guy years ago. He proposed to his uh, girlfriend with a ring and uh, I don't know exactly how the proposal went, but I know what happened in the days afterward is she um, made him take her to a jeweler with the ring to get it looked at, to, to get, make sure that that diamond was a real diamond. Because she looked at that ring and she, she said, it looks cheap. It doesn't look real. Now, I can tell you they went and they got it looked at, and it was a real diamond, but for some reason, that, that relationship just did not last. Like, they, they were not, didn't end up getting married. But I think what we, we can do is also this. We, we look at the gift given, and we, we don't appreciate the value of the gift given. We kind of go, wow, this, this, this must have been easy to give. We, we kind of look at it as a cheap gift. But if you understand everything that's taking place there, God gave us his best, that it was a costly gift, that God offers us eternal life at the cost of his son's life. And why? Because he loves us. And when we reflect on the suffering Jesus endures on the cross, the great lengths that God goes to in order to be back in relationship with us, we should look at that and want to give our lives to him, that he invites us to step into the light. 
Now, in our, our years together, Shannon and I, we've, we've bought a couple places, and they're always fixer-uppers. Like, they always need work. And so we've renovated a few bathrooms in our time together, and we always put in a new light fixture. And one of the things I've noticed is that you, you put in the new lights, and usually they have, like, brighter bulbs, and, and then you look at yourself in the mirror, and it's like, oh, that's not great. Um, you don't necessarily like what's staring back at you because these lighter or these brighter bulbs, all that light just kind of exposes things that you didn't know necessarily were there. You're like, wow, I am really starting to go gray in some parts of my head. Or you're going like, there's some blemishes on my skin that I didn't know was there. I'm getting, getting wrinkles on my face. And you're like, I don't like all this light. And so you kind of dim it or maybe unscrew a light bulb just because you're like, I like how I look better in, in a little bit of darkness, not, not all this light. And when it comes to sin, I, I think some of us were like, okay, can we keep the lights dimmed a little bit? Because all this light, it could show my imperfections, but I, I want enough light so that I don't lose my way along the way. But the choice for eternity that God gives us, it's not somewhere in between. God does not go like, you know what? You can exist in the gray area. Uh, he's not like, you, you can kind of live in the shadows. That, that's cool. Our options are either light or darkness. That we either continue to walk in darkness or we accept the gift of life by accepting Jesus. Like some of us, we, we come here week after week and we hear about Jesus and God's grace and, and we like the sound of it. But the reality is, is like we, we, we know Jesus is this gift given to us, but we haven't actually received the gift. We haven't opened the gift in that we haven't swallowed our pride and said, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior or maybe you're, you're actually just understanding what the gospel is for the first time, that Jesus, what kind of gift Jesus is. And when I say this, like it's going to sound harsh, but I'm saying this from a place of love. And I just always want to be like truthful with you guys, because one day I've got to stand before God and he's going to be like, okay, these things you taught, um, I, was it true? And so I, I just want to say this, like proximity to the gift will not save you. Time logged in church services will not save you. Hours volunteered will not save you. The amount of money you gave to the church will not save you. Your good deeds will not save you. It comes down to what did you do with the gift that was offered to you in Jesus Christ? Did you swallow your pride? And we don't get to accept Jesus on our own terms, but we have to accept Jesus on his terms. We must receive him as that gift. And, and one day, Peter, he, the apostle Peter, he preaches this sermon in Acts chapter 2 where he goes, here's who Jesus is. And basically, Jesus is this gift to humanity for salvation. People go, okay, what must we do to be saved? And, and Peter's like, you want to know how you receive the gift? Well, here it is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so for, for if, if I just kind of described you in this, here's, here's my challenge to you. Like maybe this is the Christmas where you receive Jesus as the gift that he is. And if you want to talk about accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that. Greg would help you take your next step. I'd love to do that. Or you can, you can stop by the Welcome Center and talk about that. But on, on, on Christmas's birthdays, I also know this happens, that we receive these gifts from people and we open up the box, take out the wrapping paper, open up the bag, we look and we go, oh, wow, thank you so much. This is great. But inwardly, we're thinking, what? 
Like, why would you give this to me? You thought I'd want this, but we receive it and we take it home and we go, okay. And we put it on a shelf or we put it in a closet and it gathers dust. And so that book goes unused. We don't play the game. We don't use the exercise equipment. The gift goes unused, unappreciated. And some of us, we're in this spot where we've accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that God has offered us. We've, We've opened it, but then we've taken it and we've shelved it. Like we, we think of Jesus as this gift that we're only going to make use of in the future. That when we die or Jesus returns and we were standing there, we'll go, no, I, I have the gift. Look, 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 like I've been, I've been saving it for this day. And we treat Jesus as the equivalent of a get out of hell for free card. Or maybe th- this gift, we're kind of like this. We keep it on the shelf, but then life happens and things start getting a little rough and we, we have some trouble, and what we do is, okay, okay, I need a little spirituality in my life. As we go, okay, um, Jesus, uh, remember me? I know it's been a little while, but things are starting to get a little bad here, so um, if you could help me, that would be great. And, and we get spiritual in this time, we pursue him, but then things calm down. We're like, okay, things are good, okay, I, yeah, I put it back on the shelf. I don't need him anymore. I I might need him in the future. I don't know. And we don't pursue relationship with him. We don't pursue relationship with his people. We don't serve. We don't contribute. We think Jesus is kind of like lucky that we decided to sign on with his team. If we show up in church, we're like, look, I did you solid, Jesus. Like, uh, look at me. I'm team Jesus. Like that, that's how we treat him. And accepting the gift of grace through Jesus, that's the end of your old way of life and walking in the darkness, but it's the beginning of a new life walking in the light. And if we, we go, okay, the, 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 the gift of, of Jesus is, is relationship. God wants relationship with us. That's very clear. But if we're going, it's only this future relationship in heaven, we've missed the point of the gospel. That, that he wants relationship with you forever and forever began the day you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. That, that's, he wants that relationship starting that day, starting now. And so maybe this year I'm, I'm saying you need to appreciate the gift that Jesus is. Now there's also been gifts that, that you've probably received where you're, you're super excited to receive it. Way back in the year 2007, uh, Shannon gave me a PlayStation 3 for Christmas. And you're like, wow, you're old. Um, But like, that was awesome. I loved that gift. I played that so many hours, like so much. And that thing still actually works 16 years later. Like it's going strong. Uh, I don't get to play it nearly as much, but every once in a while I will. But what happens, like that gift I I love so much, what has become is just kind of part of our normal environment because it's on the entertainment stand. I, I just kind of like, I'm blind to it in some ways. And some of us, what happens is we accept the gift of salvation through Jesus and we have served him faithfully for years, but the excitement of the gift has worn off. That we, we kind of lose our sense of awe and wonder at the gift of what God has, has given us in Jesus Christ, that we've allowed the good news of Christmas to become old news. And our enthusiastic devotion has given way to routine um, we we, we, we kind of do the Christian things because that's what a Christian's supposed to do, right? 
We reduce our, our relationship with God to kind of like checking things off a list. We, we, we serve because somebody has to do it. We don't approach our faith like, I get to do this, but I, I guess I have to do this. And we begin to coast in our relationship with Jesus. But in Revelation chapter 2, the Apostle John, he's recording the, the words of Jesus to seven churches. And uh, Jesus, he, he speaks to this church in Ephesus, and he, he commends the Ephesian church for their hard work, their endurance, their commitment to the truth. Like all these good things, they're, they're doing the right things. But then he says this in verse 4, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Again, they're, they're doing all the right things, but it's like kind of giving way to routine. They're doing the right motions, but their hearts aren't in it. They forgot the love that they had in the beginning for Jesus and for one another. And if you've been a Christian, like especially if you've been one for years, like, and I'm speaking to myself in this, like, do you remember what it was like when you first understood the gospel? And what Jesus had done for you on the cross and what that meant, not just for now, but for eternity. Like, do you remember what it was like when you understood the gift that God had given you, when you first received that gift? And Christmas is this time where we should be reminded of how much God loves for us and how much he has done for us. And here are some things I just want to, they're all come from God's word. And here are these things that God says of those who are his children that God calls you his child. He knows everything about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, that he knew you before creation, that you are not a mistake, that you bear his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has written all your days in his book. He has determined when and where you would live. He is not distant and angry, but he's the complete expression of love and he desires to lavish his love upon you. Every good and perfect gift you've ever had has come from him. It's his pleasure to provide for you, to meet your needs. And he promises that one day everything that is his will be yours. His plan for your future is one of hope. He thinks about you often. He rejoices over you with singing. He will never stop doing good to you because you are his treasured possession. He wants to show you great and marvelous things. He's not hiding himself from you, but he wants you to come to him. He is your greatest encourager and he wants to comfort you in your trials. He is close to you when you are brokenhearted. He says that one day he will wipe away every tear from your eye and all the pain and the suffering that you felt in this life will be taken away. He loves you in the same way that he loves his son, Jesus. It's through Jesus that he's shown you who he is because he's the exact representation of who the father is God is for you, not against you. He's not counting your sins against you. He sent his son so that he could be with you forever. His death was the ultimate expression of his love for you. God gave up his son to gain your love. And if you've received Jesus, you've received the father and nothing will be able to separate you from his love. Heaven threw a party the day you received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He is your father. He is pleased to call you his child and he will love you with an everlasting love. In the days after Christmas, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna run into one another, people at work, and the conversations are gonna surround this. 
here's what I got for Christmas. And there'll be some things we'll be kind of going like, this is cool. These are some neat things that uh, I, I got from, from my family or from friends. And so it's like, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, Shannon got me a new car for Christmas. I went out there on a Christmas morning. It was in the driveway. And then I opened up this card and it was this, this all-inclusive trip to somewhere warm. And then there was a brand new uh, computer also sitting there. Like, we keep Christmas simple. That's not how it's going to be. But like, when you get these gifts, what do you do? You tell others about them. Like when I received that PlayStation 3, I told everybody about it and like the games I was playing because I was excited to talk about the gift. Now you're going like, man, she, she really like really gave you a good gift that year. Don't worry, she got a ring that year. So she was, she was quite happy. She was doing well. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Tim Keller, he says this, the light of the world descended into darkness in order to bring us into God's beautiful light. And so God wants us to delight in the gift that he's given us. That your faith, your relationship with him, it's not this, this thing of drudgery where it's like, I've got to check off the list. I got to do all these things. But that our faith, our relationship with him is meant to be an overflow of the gift that he's given us. And so maybe this Christmas, you need to enjoy the gift that Jesus is. Redelight in the gift that it is. Remember the love that you had at first because Christmas is a reminder that the light has dawned, a child has been given, a son has been given, and God has given us a savior.